two, one, two, three. The ghosts are calling out of work today. They got way better things to do than work some nine to five. They got no use for living, breathing currency. But we all do because we're still alive. Hello. Hello and welcome to The Good, The Rad, The Spooky, where we talk about kids and unicorns. And gore porn, of course. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure, of course. And hey, Connor, because um, you're hey, Connor, Vail. right? Uh, you're yeah, Connor. yeah, you're Vale. Yeah, we I'm Vale, because it's been a while since it we've It has been approximately a hot minute. Yeah, so, but here's the thing, Connor, we're not alone today. Vale, what are you talking about? We're not. We're not alone. No, we have. We have somebody else in the room with us. Um, his name is Steve. Steve. Hello. Hi, Steve. I'm here. Whoa. Hi. Here. Hi. Whoa. We got a Steve. What is this? <laughs> I've been Steve? here like the whole time. Oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. Yeah. Steve, what are you doing here? What do you do? What? Who are you? Uh, well, you know, I really need to sell this movie, so I just welcomed myself into your home, and oh, you're good. going to listen to okay, me. Okay, please, just say what you need to I say. I <laughs> love the enthusiasm. Yeah. That's, that's so, yes. We are we are so lucky. Um, today we are interviewing um, a director of a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful indie horror film Powerful. called Karis Hell. Mm. Um, it is so moving. Um so, but first, we'd like to get to know you a little bit better. Um, you you've been directing horror for also approximately a hot minute. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'd say as my actual career, I'd say ten years. I was making garbage in my backyard <laughs> in high school, and you know, like crappy one chip internet stuff should. for years. Be but twenty eleven when I released Slasher Hunter, I'd call my first real project. Awesome, awesome, very cool. So Fantastic. we are at the ten year mark. That's great. How um yeah. how's the last decade, decade been going on that side of things for uh, you? Oh, it's great seeing a movie that I made, and it's like, oh, this came out ten years ago. What? Wait, uh, fuck. Oh, shit. Uh, uh, no. No. Even cares hell. Like, the sequel just came out. I was like, oh, yeah, I just made a sequel. When the first one came out? Half a decade ago. <laughs> that was crazy it's like, for me. So it's like on the wall of my life fading away. Hmm. Mm. Fair. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> no, it's just a build-up. It's just a build-up okay, into. You. So yes. yeah. So carousel, carousel. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that one, um, and then we're gonna save just a little bit of time for you to talk about the sequel. Because listen, uh, my man, my brother, I have so many questions. Oh, gosh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, guys. It's a it's a great movie. But first, um, let's get. Uh, Let's get to know um, what got you into horror. Like, of all the genres that you could have done. Okay. Uh, why this horror? is uh, a fun story. It is one of, like, oh, three good. positive stories I have about my mother. Um, I love that. So. <laughs> same. So, when I was three, my grandmother was babysitting me. And my grandmother, who was also a wonderful person, which explains a lot about my mother. <laughs> told uh-huh. me, hey, Steve, if you go to sleep in your bedroom, the boogeyman is going to kill you. <laughs> oh! So, I didn't, you know, weirdly, I didn't okay. want to go to my bedroom. So obviously, pretty solid starting point in this whole career. This is... um, so, my mother comes home. <laughs> I tell her this. My grandmother tells my mother what she said, and my mother 
had a genuine reaction of like, what the fuck? Why the fuck did yeah, you do that? I, so after hmm. a couple of nights of me refusing to not sleep in my bedroom alone, uh, my mother came up with a genuinely good plan. Mm. This is honestly a really good parenting decision okay. in my opinion that she right. did. Okay. She okay. sat me down. And my first movie I ever saw in my life at the age of three was A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, my Oh, dear Lord. glob. And then oh, immediately sir. afterwards, she also had a VHS of the making of A Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street. Huh. So it taught me that monsters weren't real. Well, it smart. was make-believe. It was just actors, that there's no such thing as this sort of thing. It's all made up. It's all for fun. And it worked in the sense that, like, I was no longer scared of the dark, wasn't scared of monsters, mm. I never hurt myself trying to be a Power Ranger Sweet. growing up, I understood, <laughs> like, oh, that's a stunt person, I'm nice. not gonna try flipping, that'd be dumb. Mm. Um, but it absolutely had the side effect of, well, now I gotta stay up to midnight and record all these horror movies off of USA <laughs> with the VCR, and that's my favorite genre forever now! Uh, I think that's just the way. Listen, there are two paths, there are two paths in the road. I think that's my favorite horror baptism we've uh, covered so <laughs> far. Good. That's that's pretty good. I'm glad, that's pretty thank good. You. Connor, it reminds me just ever so slightly of you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, a, but uh, not enough. Yeah, shorter version. For I was afraid to be of better. literally everything, and I woke up one day in high school and I was like, "Oh, what? Huh? Monsters aren't real." And here we are. <laughs> oh, good for you. Yep. No, you no, the that. best monsters are the kind that uh, that you make yourself. Yes. So, okay, uh, let's. Um, for the people back at home, we've said Karis hell mm. about a thousand times. <laughs> um, Steve, would you treat us to a good rad synopsis? Could you? In like a sentence, mm. badly um, explain this movie. Throw out the disgruntled, microphone. Disgruntled amusement park worker, upset with spoiled children. Okay, all Relatable. of that completely true. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> Nailed Fantastic. it. Fantastic. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay, I love it. Um, <laughs> and now uh, we can we can get into the meat of it. Yes, First, I I do need to know where did this idea come from, and then <laughs> and then we'll crack into it. Okay, so the idea came from the co-creator, Aline Isley. Hmm. Now, as a filmmaker, I don't know how much you folks run into it in your fields, but as a filmmaker, fucking 100 goddamn times a week someone walks up saying, Hey, Steve, I got an idea for a movie! <laughs> and my is reaction always is... always drunk sounding? Yes, always. Hmm. I'm, oh. usually, I do, I'm a guest at a lot of horror conventions, so like, there yes, you I'm, I'm uh, drunk by noon on Saturday <laughs> at conventions, so of course Good the, you, the fans be. are going to be drunk. Um, yeah. And my reaction is usually, shut the fuck up. Um, but Aline was like, I got an idea for a movie. I'm like, okay. And she goes, okay, so it's about, it's going to be called Karis Hell, which already she's winning me over. Because like 50% of an indie horror movie is the title, oh, yeah. in my oh, yeah. opinion. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to get on your very right correct opinion. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then she said, and it'll be about a... Uh, stationary, non-moving, killer carousel horse. Wait, no, killer carousel unicorn. That was like <laughs> I said. Oh my yes, gosh! This is fucking perfect. So the clarification uh, has been coming around ever since the conception. Yes. That's perfect. So, that <laughs> um, so, so I kind of pumped the brakes a little bit because like, I'm already signed on. I'm gonna like we're gonna develop this idea. Yeah. I'm like, wait, it's really important. What is the hor the unicorn's motivation mm. for killing people? You know, is it like, because there's so many killer object movies, there's so many different ways you can take it. Sure. And she kind of sat there for like maybe 30 seconds. And she used to work at a major amusement park. And I'm not going to say specifically which one out sure. of fear of doxing or right, whatever. Right, right, right. Um, but she saw a lot of kids 
just being fucking dickheads <laughs> to every goddamn frog, Man. and it really made her upset. And she Man. said, okay, some fat piece of shit kid <laughs> just is abusing this this unicorn on the ride, so he breaks off the ride to kill the kid. I'm like, alright, boom, so it's a revenge story. Lunchbox okay, is a rat bastard, I just want to put that out there. It's the crow starring a unicorn, oh, for sure. let's do this. <laughs> Listen, I was on, but, okay, let, let's, let's, we need to talk about the opening shot of the movie, because I was texting M the whole time, that uh, good, good friend of the show, M, um, and from the second this movie started, I went, oh no, I I think I will relate to this killer perhaps <laughs> more than any other. Um, Steve, uh, why don't you walk us through um, just a little, a, a quick breakdown of of your movie? Um, well, uh, it is basically, as I said, kind of like a revenge movie. It is a slasher comedy, and it is following the story of Duke, who is alive but alone, and it's confusing. And the, basically, the arc of the series is Duke asking, who am I? What am I? And that's what the question Duke is trying to figure out during this. Unfortunately, that's also when a really bratty piece-of-shit child is just <laughs> pushing him over the edge, and he says, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm a killer. And he starts killing, and it feels right, and that's kind of what he realizes. Now, I, I always say it is important to me, when writing this... Duke is the protagonist. Mm. He's not necessarily the oh, for main sure. character because of budget reasons. At the time, we didn't have as much Duke as I would have liked mm. in that one. <laughs> but he's definitely the protagonist of the story. For sure. And you're supposed to hate this kid and want this kid to die. The kid is the villain. Yeah, Lunchbox is a giant turd with a mouth. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He, well, and I, I don't think you could have made his villainy more clear when you stuck him in a trilby hat. Oh, honestly. <laughs> oh man. Oh, the I'll, I'll say that, that when I'm done something about But no, screw it. I'll say it right now. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, his headshot was wearing that hat. And as soon as I saw that headshot, I'm like, I fucking hate this kid. This kid's perfect. <laughs> I After he auditions one. and Give gets the one. role, his mother says, do you want to wear the hat? Yes. Like, I didn't yeah. fin- even so let her, like, explain why she thought it was a good idea. I was like, yeah, she didn't bring this hat. Oh, my gosh. The hat's in part two, by the way. Oh, thank um, you. Oh, good. So, oh, yes. Um, so then the story Brilliant. follows Duke trying to track the hit down, killing anyone that's getting in his way. Because, mm. again, it's him exploring. It's, it's him doing what feels right to him until he finally tracks the kid down with his big sister at this house party. Gets into the party, kills everyone in his way, and eventually yeah, he tries does. to get his revenge. Uh, it's it's a great, it's great. It's, I'm just I'm you. just gonna say it's yeah. it's really Power, great. Powerful you know, film. like Connor and I have talked about slashers before, and we talked about slasher comedies like April Fool's Day, mm. and we we did Halloween earlier uh, this year as well, and we talked a lot about how like when you do a slasher, you kind of have to hate the people that are being killed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever wanted people to die so badly <laughs> as in this film. Everyone in this film is just... I mean, it's not even love to hate. Where did you get these characters from? Uh, well, Where did they come from? For, for me, first I'll say that to me it's a tightrope over... I want people to be okay with these characters dying, but I don't want them to just be, like, assholes that aren't entertaining on screen. Right. that's the other pitfall that people can fall into in right. horror. Right, sure. I'm just like, I don't give a shit about any of these people. <laughs> I'm not even excited to see them die. I just want them gone. Yeah. So... 
And to me, I try to balance it with that, where like you're like cheering for them to die, because to me, that's my favorite part of horror. Yeah. I love having fun. I'm not in horror to be scared. Oh, yeah. I'm, ha- I'm in horror to be like, yeah, tear her head off. <laughs> yeah, just ram him against that tree and that's bang. Fuck yeah. Duke. <laughs> um, but I'm also, I like silly. I like comedy. I mean, one of my favorite characters of all time period is, like, Ernest P. Whirl, who is a live-action cartoon. Love it. So I like writing my characters to basically be live-action cartoons. So that's why everyone is, like, an 11 out of 10 on the insanity meter in almost all of my movies, to be fair. Um, But even then, I like to to twist things. Um, One reviewer a long time ago said, Steve, you like to put all the tropes in a blender and just frap it all because it's all in there but okay. i don't recognize it because you're changing it so much <laughs> so preston for example i was like okay he's the first one who came to mind when you were saying that slasher movie yeah slasher movie you got that douchebag jock mm. he's gonna have two fucking pop collars because he's he's the guy <laughs> that bullies everyone except in my movie everyone's gonna bully him because he likes a kid's show <laughs> He's he's uh, for, for our audience find... who's unfamiliar with this movie. Unfortunately, he's the this film's equivalent of a brony, and it's the tastiest twist I've seen in a while. <laughs> Thank it you is, very much. It's it so is it is fantastic. I, gosh, no. Where is where is my conversation with M? Because I need I need this moment. <laughs> so when Preston comes up on screen, he has the two popped colors, and it reminded me of that jackass in Dale and Tucker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, like, because he, like, came on screen and immediately had the pop collar. And I was just like, no, no, mm -mm, mm -mm. when does he die? When does he die? Preston bought both of his collars, though. So he's he's got that guy he he beat. Yeah, it's two collars. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, So that's what I did with a lot of the characters. So we kept, especially with Aline and I working together, you know, writing it, we would both come up with separate ideas. Like, originally she came up with... um, the twin cest. Oh, couple. good. Um, oh, yeah. And, and she was just like, yeah, oh, the they'll, most be, like, accurate they'll be French. I'm like, French yeah, okay. Ever. And at no point did I reveal that I was planning on them being Quebecian <laughs> until I wrote the line in front of her. Awesome. Um, but the incest was her idea, to be fair. Um, the pizza guy was my idea because I wanted I wanted an idiot that was like also the most sane member. And yet, how is this guy that refuses any of these advances and just wants his money. How's he the normal one? But I also like those sorts of characters. I just want to draw attention to his walk cycle as well. I feel like we would be remiss not to mention the fact that he walks like a literal cartoon. That is my Spider-Man walk when I work for Marvel Live. Awesome. Love it. So, what does that mean then that you decided to play the pizza guy? The only sane, normal one. I I did not decide to play Joe. I was bullied and forced into being Joe. Oh, I didn't, didn't want to hey. fucking act in this movie. I just wanted to fucking direct because it's a big movie with a lot of fucking characters and a lot of cast and crew. And I'm like, uh, I, I just got done at the time writing it originally because we made it basically a year later than originally planned. I just got done making a movie called Captain Z where I also was fucking forced by the producer to also co-star in the movie I was directing and have all these lines and have to direct all these people. I was like, nope, nope, this time I'm just directing. So I write the script, I write Joe just as a character that I think is hilarious. Finish writing the script, and Link goes, Steve, you gotta be Joe. You're perfect for Joe. You have to be Joe. I'm like, no, I don't want to fucking be Joe. I just want to fucking direct this time. <laughs> Scott Lewis, the cinematographer, reads the script. Steve, you gotta be Joe. Like, I don't want to be in the movie. I don't want to be in the movie. Oh I don't want to be the star gosh. and the director and the writer and everything. It's, it's ridiculous. I'm tired of this. 
Then the producer with the money read the script uh, and says, Steve, you gotta be Joe. And I said, you're right. What a great idea, sir. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I got it. <laughs> Everyone's right, apparently, because I keep on hearing people say they love Joe and they love me as Joe, but I at least want to be very clear that I did not make that decision while writing the script. That I actually... was forced into it. <laughs> I was one also going to ask... Questions. Yeah. <laughs> If um, that sexiest pizza guy I've ever seen before, was that written before or after you were cast? Definitely, definitely before. <laughs> Respect. But, that is, but that's definitely my joke. I'm, a, I'm always a big fan of uh, the most beautiful person in the whole room. <laughs> sort right. of. Right. Very specific compliments. It's it's just so nice. It's just so nice. Mm. Uh, well, that's good to know. And that's uh, deeply, deeply relatable, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I want to throw out this question, uh, speaking of the pizza guy, because this next question for me personally is my answer. Uh, but what was your favorite death in this first film? Uh, either to film or just uh, practical effects To conceptualize. Yeah, yeah. So my original answer has always been, I'm going to explain why it changed, but my original answer was always the smoking guy getting his head kicked in half. Because I'm a big fan of... Super brutal, but like instantaneous oh kills that like like whoa, what the fuck just happened? And then we fall, and it's a perfect. It's shot. good. Very uh, probably my favorite part of the whole movie, by the way. It um, works, yeah. It's and I, I love I love kills like that. I love characters like that. Mm. But honestly, over the years, my answer has changed a little bit because of how much I've watched the movie with an audience. Sure. Now I think my favorite kill, at least, is now tied with the ninja star kill okay. because that's really that's really the moment where i can tell if everyone is signed on or not oh, sure you know yeah. like that's true if you're that's laughing true. now we're good we're good we're if still... you're just like where to get those ninja stars from you can just leave because it is not gonna get like smarter yeah after this. yeah not gonna scratch it's that itch i get smarter I, from that moment, I if, that I, if I was there in the audience please. and I knew, like, I had them from the Ninja Stars, I'd just be like, oh, you idiots, just wait for the pizza cutter. You're not going to oh, know Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the joy of texting M this whole time is just what is happening, what is happening, mm. and M's response is every time being like, just wait. <laughs> just, <laughs> just wait. It doesn't stop. <laughs> doesn't it really doesn't at every single every single death connor who's your favorite death it was actually so the aforementioned uh favorite death of steve it was the guy who was like are you and and just the accuracy of what he said in context of the rest of the film he's like are you talking carousel unicorn (laughs) he just gets his face kicked in half and that was like legitimately excellent practical effects i I was like oh dang Insider, if you didn't pay attention to the credits, that is the effects person. Hey, there we go. Oh! There we go. So he called dibs on the best that. of the best death. Um, he actually did because originally in the script, <laughs> that kill was like a punch head off, like Jason and Jason takes Manhattan yeah. and he punched the dude boxing yeah, yeah. him. And then Cody, mm-hmm. who I just give a check to, like I'm like, this is the budget we have. <laughs> yeah. This is your pay and all of the effects. Uh-huh. You do whatever you need to. Oh, no. Here's the money. Have fun. Sure. He was like. Hey, so uh, what if instead of kicking the head off, I pissed dispenser that character's head? I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, Sounds awesome. Too bad. <laughs> or like oh the first God. kill in Carousel 2 was like, I wanted to set a Nazi on fire. And he was just like, hey, what if instead of just setting him on fire, because this is going to be a mannequin, what if we put a grenade in his mouth and his entire head fucking explodes? I'm like, yes. 
Yes. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> All right, we've got the first preview of the second movie. I'm already in it to win it. Oh, yeah. uh, you oh, yeah. sold me. You sold me. I was uh, sold from the synopsis alone <laughs> of the second film. Like, we'll get there uh, towards the end of the episode, but... Absolutely. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's gonna oh, be, I can't wait. It's going to be juicy. But that's how oh, Cody works. Wait. He's just like, if he can make something way better, he usually does. Yeah. Brilliant. You always need someone like that. Absolutely. You always need someone like that. Man. Man, that's so good. Okay, so you've got a lot of experience in horror, as I'm watching this movie, I felt like there were very tasteful references that I want to check off. Um, the first one is that French food bit where she orders, like, all the French-style stuff. Is that a Better Off Dead reference? Uh, great story about that. I mean, to answer your question immediately, no. However, Dang we're it. on set shooting this, and Scott Lewis says, so this is Better Off Dead, right? I'm like... What? <laughs> uh, yeah, Better Off Dead, the movie. Like, what's Better Off Dead? I just hadn't seen it at that oh, point. Man. It fell through the cracks or whatever. And I was like, "What? Are you, oh, the, the entire scene is exactly what you just did, Stephen. Like, God <laughs> damn it. Great minds think alike, I, it's dude. It's a great joke. I thought it was, I thought it enriched my experience watching it. But you have seen that since. Yes, since, yes, absolutely. Okay, that's what's important. Okay, great. Okay, so then is Sarah's death a psycho reference? Uh, a, just a little tiny bit. It's not very explicit that I was like, when writing, I was like, we're going to reference Psycho, but right. like we were shooting is just like, oh, we should make it like fucking Psycho yeah, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like a super thought out reference, but I'd say yes. Sure. Very cool. 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 Uh, is that closet moment at the end a Halloween reference? 100% yes. Yes! Yeah, yes! absolutely. Yes! Duke calling it a classic. The fact that only plastic hangers exist now, mm -hmm. so she couldn't yep. poke Duke in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> this hurts a lot more than you'd think. <laughs> uh, great line. <laughs> so good. And the last one that that um not to not to set up the second film or anything, but the baby unicorn at the end, that's that's alien. That's gotta be alien. No. That was oh! that, first of all, the baby unicorn was all Elaine. She pushed for this before we even got to that part of the ending. Nice. I was like, Can we write the fucking movie first? I get this is how you want the movie to end. <laughs> but um but it was Bride of Chucky. Okay. When uh, Chucky's kid is born at the very end. Yeah. That's what it is. Nice. Very nice. Well, that's wonderful. Okay, I just had to check. Because as I was watching this, I was like, there's no way. <laughs> that was good. Sir. I was, again, texted him, and I was like, what do you think? <laughs> I think I'm going <laughs> to ask Steve. <laughs> I see him on Friday. I'm going to ask. Hey. Um. So, uh, this next question is a veiled question, but I'm going to steal it for consistency's sake. Steal it. <laughs> steal it. Um, all right. So, we have a killer, more or less immobile uh, unicorn, carousel unicorn. For you, personally, for Steve, what would be the worst case scenario of an object or immobile being just coming to life and hunting you down relentlessly? Probably a nuclear warhead. Well, I think it would really All right, you're coming done. out of the gate yeah. there. Went out running. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I think that's the only correct answer, so. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. He calls himself Nuke. He's very disgruntled. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, no, I get it. There's consistency there. Yeah. No, I, I... <laughs> that's, that's good. So my... my, my okay, uh, my... something smaller then. <laughs> <laughs> my follow-up actually with that is, uh, will Nuke just like one and done you like a bumblebee, or is Nuke going to hold things? Like oh, absolutely. It's going to be holding. Oh, good. At okay. no point does he okay. detonate. Cool, good. cool, cool. So Nuke and Duke are on the same page. Great. 
Well, hallelujah. Okay. Nuke is not <laughs> suicidal. Same... Not at all. He's very happy. He's got plenty more, plenty more to fulfill. <laughs> with the same Veggie Tales like ability oh, to yeah. hold without hands. <laughs> Oh, so good. Gosh, I think that might be my favorite thing about Duke, if not the laser eyes at the very oh, yeah. end. yeah. Speaking well, of ho- juicy kills. Spoiler alert. Well, holding the weapons, that was that was my big, like, thing that I pushed as soon as we started riding the outline. I was just yes. like, okay, I want to only use this horn once. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, everyone's right. going to assume all the kills is him stabbing people. Literally what I did going I, into I it. I don't so. want that. I, I was so, like, we're going like, to get lots, lots of puncturing. kill... Needs to be a fucking machete, like a slasher movie. Well, how he how does he hold it? Fucking magic. <laughs> That's and the then I wanted to keep and then I wanted to keep getting shit. Like like, I don't know how familiar you are with the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, but there are several films where it feels like Jason has a fucking Jason cave mm. where he just shows up with giant weapons with no logical explanation of where they came from. And personally, I love that. I love how in part seven he shows up with a twelve foot long buzzsaw thing to kill Bernie with. <laughs> he and just had his just like, Where'd you get that, Jason? Like, found it. <laughs> On the side of the road. Uh, Nuke let me borrow so it. To me, Duke is Duke pulls whatever he needs when he thinks of it. Perfect. Duke's limits are only his own imagination. He just doesn't realize it yet. There we go. There we go. Does uh, it, does that it's come? It's like you're trying to create a villain <laughs> that I want to be like. Right. <laughs> now, uh, does this does this uh, mental manifestation of weapons does that come up at all in the second film? Um. Yes. I mean, he okay. has new weapons. Good. Uh, we Good. don't. We don't explicitly. Okay. We don't, like, go out of our way to explain specifically where these weapons right, are right, right, right. or anything, but we definitely give more of a backstory of Duke and where his power comes from. Mm. Which gives, oh, hallelujah. Which gives more explanation of, like, why he can do all this wizard shit, yes. as Duke himself puts it in the second <laughs> film. Um... <laughs> Uh, there's there's a little there's a fun sequence where he uses several weapons from the first movie and they're all ineffective in order to show the power increase oh, in awesome. this film. Oh, awesome! Oh, great! <laughs> now, um, I I oh, want good. to while we're kind of talking about, I'm going to throw one of my curveball questions out there. Um, is there now, and as kind of a follow up to an earlier question, your favorite death in this film? Mm-hmm. Do you have a specific moment or death or anything of that nature that you can tell us about without spoilers in the next film? Hmm. I know that's kind of like tight perimeters. I but... do love a good. No, I mean I don't. I, I'm, I'm good at not giving spoilers while while answering that question. Awesome. But that's a question. This movie just came out days ago. Right, I haven't seen right. it with an audience yet, so that's hard for me Ooh. to kind of sure decide on yet. So are you? Can you narrow it down for me? Yeah. If you if you want me to like point out a scene, are you talking about like a scene that means a lot to me, or a scene that I think is the most fun? Like, what do you? What are you? I'm gonna go. Intent? I'm gonna go fun factor on this one. Just one that you think the audience is going to enjoy, and you're looking forward to them being a part of. Uh, the sex scene in two is even better. Perfect. Oh, now we're good. talking, baby. <laughs> good, because awesome. I was worried um, <laughs> and hopeful. I want. Um, I, I want to. Music, the body language, everything <laughs> is. Um, mwah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, now, for our audience who hasn't seen the movie, again, please get on that. Uh, Duke gets it in the first film. Just yes. Mild yeah, spoilers, there Duke there are titties. There, there are, are titties. Yes. Uh, I I want to say sorry. This this might just be a dumb little fanboy moment. One of my favorite lines in the movie is when Preston is first meeting with Laurie, uh, and he's handing out like these Mardi Gras beads. 
And eventually oh, gosh. he's like, you're going to have to wait. Because of course he is. This, like, get a hold of me in like 45 minutes or something like that. And he goes, okay. Uh, hey, set an alarm for 45 minutes. See Lori's titties. <laughs> it's, like, it's just so matter of fact. Like he's, he's remembering a doctor's appointment. I love it. <laughs> That's that's the press so dog, good. baby. The press dog. This is dog. life. Oh man. God. He's both oh those collars to keep up his swag. <laughs> you almost feel bad for him. Like I feel yeah. like I knew that kid in high school. Like I feel like someone in my theater department was like that. Oh, I mean, good. I'm glad he's he's meant to be at least a little bit like empathetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. like he starts off as the hardcore douchebag, and as soon as he gets an entire pot of coffee in his face, you're like, oh, maybe he doesn't deserve <laughs> oh. this much. <laughs> Third-degree burns. I don't know about that one. Just How is it that we can handle brutal murder, but as soon as you throw a coffee <laughs> yeah, right? pot in someone's face, you're like, That's oh, baby, I'm so sorry. This is too much. <laughs> we didn't get a spot of blood anywhere in that house. We rented that gorgeous wow. house uh, from the owners. Whoa. We didn't get a spot of blood anywhere. We were fucking cleaning coffee Dude. until the last fucking oh. day. And we shot that like the oh. first scene. It was everywhere. Yeah. We were fighting in the vent in the bathroom behind us. I don't know how. The door oh was shut, but hey, God. there we go. Now was oh was that just the gosh. one take, or did you have to toss the coffee at him several times? No, we we I'm I'm as a director, I'm very good at being like, okay, we got one take to okay. do this, set it up, let's plan it, let's do it, and nice. I've thus far have never needed to be like, we need to do that a second time with something that I knew was a yeah. one take thing. I awesome. didn't want to worry about cleaning the shirt, I didn't have to worry about cleaning up all the coffee yeah. and then spraying him again, nice. yada yada yada. So. I was gonna say, if you had to do that any more than like <laughs> half of once, it's gonna Ooh. be an issue. <laughs> yes, there you go, there you go. How do you do that? How can you line up a shot like that? Um, it feels like really technical. I don't know anything about film. I've yeah, been a we, theater We're much more involved in the theater side of things, so this is a little out of our uh, practical wheelhouse. I mean, it's just, I mean, like, I work with Scott Lewis on my, on the films where I can afford to pay him. Obviously, my, <laughs> right. cat, my cat movies are much cheaper films, so I just shoot those myself. There you go. Um, sure. But it's just a case where, you know, you kind of set up the actors, look the shot, kind of do, like, the motion without anything to figure out okay this is where the hand's going to be this is where in this shot specifically that's where the pot's going to be let's move the camera up a bit pull it out a bit so we can get the whole shot and then if we want to we can crop it and get a little tighter in the edit okay yeah. mm so th oh. especially these days now the cameras are like 4k but no fucking distributor gives a shit about 4k because <laughs> it's not it's not mainstream no matter what people claim right so they still only want all the movies in 1080 so we shoot it in 4k or similar to 4k and then we have this huge picture that could be like two shots in itself yeah and because we're cropping it so much to get to just a 1080 video absolutely hmm. thanks i like learning stuff That's i don't know cool. if you no, can tell welcome. from the phd i like hmm. learning stuff <laughs> i'm more than happy so, to answer like anything about anything love it Oh, well, cool. Okay, so, okay, um, maybe we depart just a little bit from Karis Hell and, and just what is it like to shoot a horror movie? What is that like to mm. conceptualize and write it and then shoot it, especially when you know that you're going to be doing kill scenes and there's going to be blood and there's going to be a specific kind of technicality to it? Well, uh, when we get to the actual shoot, so we're getting to, like, the last steps of pre-production is scheduling, and I try to be very good about having people on set the f the least amount of days as possible so they can be done with the movie as fast as possible. They aren't there. They don't have to give up an entire day to be there for four hours or be there for, like, 12 to 16 fucking hours for no yeah. reason. So I try to schedule it <laughs> planned ahead of time. And what I'll usually do is I'll set up what I consider to be, like, the hardest stuff the first couple of days. So that way, after go. that, everything is downhill smooth, smooth sailing. sailing. Yeah, I like that. 
Um, nice. But okay. then outside of that, the next thing I'll do is I just schedule everyone's death for last. <laughs> the last thing that they do is die. Yeah. So that way we get like all their dialogue, all the scenes with everyone else, and then we kill them, and then they're gone. Mm. Like they're done on this movie, you know. Especially on the first movie, which had way more characters and way more people dying. Mm. It was a little bittersweet whenever we did a kill scene because you know it's fun and gory, and you know that's what horror is. Yeah. But it was also the last time I was going to be working with this actor on this Aww. movie, so it was a little sad every time. Aww. Um, Wait, that's a so yeah. That's tender. how I that's how I schedule it, and then that's how we just rock it. I'm a big fan of trying to f stay on eight hour days. I'm also a big fan of sleeping in, so none of my days start before noon. That is awesome. Nice. Um, <laughs> All right. And, you know, the makeup guy will get, if he needs molds of people, he'll get in touch with them and work with them to schedule a day so that he can, like, mold their face and whatever yeah. to, for the effects. Uh, we get to the set. It's just a case where everyone's, we've already gone over the lines, we've already done online read-throughs, whatever, and we just kind of take it in order. And this is where the question gets a little bit too big to answer in just a singular conversation. Hmm. But sure. it's just a case of, like, okay, it's these scenes that we're doing today. So let's get these scenes. And I'm... You can even ask Scott Lewis. He will say that I'm a director that knows exactly what I need, and then I worry about what I want. Okay. So I'm, I'm nice. getting the shots and okay. the scenes that I know that we need for the movie, and then we can have fun with it and do different stuff or different shots or different takes or whatever. But I'm very good at, like, this is what we need, and we get through that pretty quickly, and then we kind of see where we're at for the rest of the day. Sometimes we wrap early. Sometimes we get extra entire sequences that wasn't planned. Uh, in Captain Z, one day we were so far ahead of schedule that when two characters uh, finally kiss, the ship, the shippers are finally happy. It was just supposed to be a kiss. And Scott was like, oh, we're like three hours ahead of schedule. I'm going to go get a dolly and a fan, and we're going to have this epic zoom in into this kiss as we're blowing <laughs> her hair in the wind. Oh, there you my go. And the lights go off, and we got a spotlight on their face, and we're like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Awesome. Rocket. Awesome. Action. Uh, so just speaking nice. of, of kind of unexpected things uh what is your philosophy with with your actors on kind of like ad-libbing and going off script uh how how often does that happen and how do you feel about that in general uh i am a creator that will listen to anyone love it if i'm filming in a house someone across the street could walk over with an idea and i'll probably <laughs> listen to it and if we have time i'll try it right. and if it works i'm gonna use it so i always let my actors improv i always let my actors ad lib the and i don't care too too much about the exact written word mm. although most of the time they get it there but there are obviously there's going to be situations where like this is actually important exposition mm -hmm. this you have to fucking nail. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like there's no wiggle room here yeah. if you if you don't get this right <laughs> none of the rules are going to make sense or it's not yeah or a specific joke that's like a joke i like a lot mm -hmm. you know like uh laurie and larry's dad being out on business <laughs> for eight years <laughs> oh my god he'll be back that's my favorite joke in that fucking movie so like that could that i wouldn't have allowed that to be improv because it's my favorite joke in yeah movie. yeah yeah right but other than the, like those specific examples if someone has an idea i'm gonna listen to them and if it's good i'm going to use it to me film i mean art in general especially on this sort of stuff with entertainment it's a team effort mm -hmm. it's not just me if something goes wrong it's my fault but if everything's working it's thanks to everyone I think and that's how I try to tackle it. I feel like that nice. that uh, that open mindedness with that can really lend a level of authenticity, especially in the scenes where like on screen they're supposed to be having fun. Uh, 
Oh yeah. Would you say like, and and my mind goes to like the party scenes. Was that like, did y'all have as good of a time on set as it looked like? Was it? Uh, everyone else did. Okay. I was stressed out, <laughs> wanting to die every oh, minute. I so was Scott. Right, right. And uh, I'm imagining we were not having fun. Things. Everyone else was having a blast. They were like <laughs> yeah. hanging out, joking. Everyone was <laughs> drinking, but no one was getting belligerent or like sure. drunk. Sure. Um. But yeah, everyone seemed to have a really fun time on set. A lot of times people will come up to me after the film saying that like my set was one of the best sets they've worked on. Dude, and to rocks. me that's really important. Yeah. Because like I I look yeah. up a lot to say Zack Snyder mm. because he's like he's a director on major Hollywood studio films sure. and yet everyone that works for him is just like I would fucking die for this man. He's a fucking <laughs> saint. He is so nice. And like you don't get that a lot. And to me that's really important for like a healthy positive set when you're working together for days or weeks no, or definitely. even months definitely. on end. Oh yeah. Like even my one of my buddies who hates all of Zack's movies, hates them all. <laughs> Worked on Army of the Dead and was just like, that was like the best set I've ever been on. I'm like, good. Like, that, that's to awesome. me, that's what's important yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Uh, so I try to do that sort of thing, too, where I try to be open. I try to make it safe. I try to make it uh, comfortable for everybody on set so that everyone can have a good time and everyone can relax. So when it is time to go, it's a little easier to get into that mindset versus, you know, I've been on sets that are going 14 hours straight. The director's getting 30 takes of the same goddamn shot with no different direction. He's a no. dick. He's being rude to everyone. And it's my turn to act. You I'm can just say like, Stanley Kubrick. Fucking Jesus, <laughs> Uh, and then that. when we're wrapped, you're like, hey, Steve, do you want to do like, nope. See, I'm going back to the hotel room, fucker. <laughs> uh, and I don't want that sort of set. So for I can't sure. make everyone happy yeah. all of the time, but I try. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, um, good for you. I know, yeah, like, like we've mentioned, we're on the other, the more theatrical side of things. But uh, having that environment that is, like you were saying, just comfortable really, really allows the actors. And, and I feel like everybody uh, in the project just to, to mesh better. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that lends a lot to the creative freedom that you guys want to see, or, or we as the audience want to see on screen. So that that sort of situation actually creates camaraderie as mm -hmm. opposed to being like we're a family, yeah. speeches sort of shit. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, and like and that breeds more creativity. Like to your point earlier, Connor, that. Uh, set a reminder, 45 minutes, see Lori's titties. That was improv. <laughs> oh that my. was improv from Chris oh, Brown. That's so good. That's so yeah. good. Oh, man. And I, I like to oh. think that he's able to come up with those sorts of jokes on the spot because yeah. everyone's having a good time or relax, and it's all like, we need to fucking do this. <laughs> well, no. Like, we're on a schedule because we only have a location for so long, but that's it. Sure, sure. No, I, I mean, I, I think I speak for all of us when I say we were having a blast watching it, uh, so I can only assume that was at least partially the case on the on the other side of the screen, so... Um, happy to hear it. That's that's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. Hey, I, I got a I got a question for you, Steve. Um, where the hell do you get a unicorn? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and where can okay. I get one? I gotta know. So, I gotta know. So we wrote the script first. Hmm. Like some some people have been like, I bet they just had the unicorn and wrote a movie about it. <laughs> No, we fucking did it. You're right. Uh, Alina and I wrote the script, and then we said, okay, so how the fuck do we get a carousel horse or a carousel unicorn or whatever the fuck we're going to fucking get? So at mm -hmm. the time, and this was 2015, yeah. we found a guy on eBay that apparently has multiple carousel horses that he takes molds of and sells the full-size molds. So we we got it for like twelve hundred dollars. Oh boy! Well, never mind. Um, I guess I can't get one and, for the show. And it's like like thick plastic urethane or something. I'm I'm not exactly sure what it's made out of. That joke was real. Um, <laughs> 
but it's hollow, <laughs> so it's actually very light. Mm. And then before we painted it, uh, Cody Rook, the effects guy, also took another mold of the head and the hooves for the stunt uses okay. for it. Okay, okay, and cool. he's the one that okay. and he's the one that made the horn because originally it was just a horse. Huh. That's that's oh. good to know because in my mind, anytime Duke was holding something, I just imagined somebody behind the camera holding that whole thing and just like chucking <laughs> him around. I no, needed part, to know like, how it was puppeted. Yeah, yeah. Stunt. There's stunt hooves. There's a stunt head for a lot of movement. But awesome. then when you see a lot of his full body stuff, nine times out of ten, it's me like trying really hard from behind to just grip <laughs> all of the weight of this long horse with like one hand because I don't want to make anyone else do it. Sure. Especially sure. during like when you see the full sex scene when he's like going full doggy style on this girl from behind. <laughs> you could just imagine me hiding behind this naked girl's ass. Just moving this horse the best I can, and then after like two minutes, be like, "Are we done? Is that enough footage?" Because like I'm losing it. Oh my God. Yeah, I um, her her absolute commitment there in in like the seduction beforehand was just so so genuine, so good. Oh, wait till you see the whole thing. You thought that was commitment? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, we were talking a little before oh, recording. Boy. I saw it on Tubi, so I got a little bit of the censorship, but. Um, apparently, it, it lends a lot to Duke, uh, the full scene. So, we'll, we'll find yes. that eventually. <laughs> Who had the birds and the bees talk with Duke? Yeah, how does Duke know what those things are? <laughs> well, I'm going to regret asking that question. And where does he keep it? Well, well, the, oh, and the, that's, <laughs> that's his own answer. <laughs> um, but, I mean, for the birds and the bees talk... Who's to say what Duke's existence is? Uh, Was Duke always a uniform? Hmm. <gasps> I feel like Cowboy Cool knows the answer to that, but Cowboy Cool are we going to lead into Carousel too? Misunderstanding of what Duke is. I'll, no I'll officially say that. Okay. Okay. All right. So our, okay. for our Cowboy our, Cool our... thinks Duke is something Duke is not because Duke had never woken up for Cowboy Cole to learn Interesting. What so for all of our Karis Hell theorists out there, this is really going to throw kind of a wrench in your research. <laughs> Y'all just got to wait it's to see Karis, Karis Hell the second, I guess. I mean, I can say, I it, say Nazis. This... Duke is a Nazi experiment. Okay, okay. So, okay. so the, Nazi, right. the Nazi line is more or less correct. Yes, okay. the Nazi line is correct. The problem is that they find oh. Duke in this Nazi lab with a bunch of other like Nazi experiments, so they lock Ooh. Duke up being like, oh, this is fucking Nazi. <laughs> Duke okay. was not a Nazi. That is good to oh, know. No. I, uh... Duke was a victim. Huh. <gasps> All right. More relatability. Duke was a victim several times, uh, especially when Lunchbox <laughs> got on him. <laughs> so, God, am I a Famous bad guy? Lunchbox. Do I just... Am I a Duke uh, empathizer? I don't know. Uh, I mean, to me, yeah. Duke is the good guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I, I very much paint Duke as right in this situation. <laughs> he just kills innocent people too, which is not right. That's but just part of it. It's, it's it's a character trait. Well, if there's ever a third movie, Duke has to face the consequences of his actions. He doesn't get away with just killing I... a bunch of innocent people and then being like, "I'm a dad now." Oh man. <laughs> I will give you all of the $1 that I have in my pocket to see <laughs> Carousel 3. I haven't even seen two yet. I would love to see some kind of courtroom drama. Oh, absolutely. I, th I think you that would really enjoy it, too. With how much you folks are talking about one, mm. I think that you'll watch two and just be ecstatic the whole time. Do we Do we want to move a little bit over there and, and I, hear? I okay. do. Yeah. I want to talk about Carousel 2 now. Okay, because so, so we've had... We, we have a limited up. release of Carousel the Second. 
correct? Yes. All right. Yes. How can people find that first and foremost? Where where is it available? Uh, right now, it is only available physically. Okay. SilverSpotlightFilms.com. Silver. That is my website, my store for all of my physical stuff, all my DVDs, all of my Blu-rays, awesome posters. There's a Carousel deck building game on there. No way. Enjoying. No way. Oh, we are so playing. Yeah. If you want to try it out, it's also it's also on Tabletop Simulator on Steam, so you can download I it have for that free and try it. Perfect, you can try it for free. Awesome. You can play with the creators Great. maybe later tonight. Yeah, boy. <laughs> hey. Very cool. Um, Very cool. But so right now you can pick up the DVD or the Blu-ray of Carousel the Second Film, SilverSpotlightFilms.com. Okay. In November, it will be available on my digital subscription service, SteveBuster.com. Awesome. Where for like only two ninety nine a month, you access all of my libraries, like twenty five hours worth of stuff. It's like fifteen hours worth of movies, and then another ten hours worth of bonus material, what have you. And in November. The 4K carousel will be on Steve Buster exclusively. There we go. And you can there keep all of the links on Steve Buster forever. So you can subscribe to Steve Buster, Steve Buster for, say, three months and, like, bookmark and save all of the links and just keep them forever. I'm fine. Just please subscribe nice. at least for a couple months. Yeah. That's all I ask. That's so legit. Um, oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. No, I know what I'm doing in November now. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, it won't be on other streaming services for a while. Okay. It will be there eventually, but streaming services pay garbage. Um, Prime Video Ew. pays one penny per hour stream. Are you serious? Yes. That's disgusting. Yeah. Um, I don't like Chubi that. Chubi is like a bit more because it's ad-based, but it's still, it pales in comparison t- mm. to even like two people buying a DVD in a month or something. Dang. So, like, yeah. like thousands of people have to watch a movie for me to make $100 off of it in a month off of two. Good night. All right, so yeah. hypothetically, if I were to go on Amazon Prime and pay the $9.99 to buy this film forever, what-ish would you see from that? Okay, so this I can answer. Now, this is slightly more fair. Okay. Um, if I upload Thank directly goodness. to Amazon, like through their media on demand thing, which sure. I do for a couple of my movies, other stuff I go through Film Hub, which is an aggregator, and that's how my movies that I still own the rights to have gotten to Tubi. Okay. Thanks, Film Hub. Um, but if I upload the movie directly to Amazon and someone buys it digitally on Amazon, I get 50%. Cool. Whatever, cool. whatever I set the price for, I get 50%. But Cares Hell has a distributor, so I get 60% of whatever the distributor's making. So anyone that's just streaming Cares Hell on Amazon, ah. the distributor gets a penny, and I get 60% of that penny. Oh, lucky! Um... <laughs> so the movies, y'all, this is how we get rich, okay. boys. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, great. Yeah, in, in terms, of, the first movie is still in the red completely because of how little streaming pays and like Bananas. how much yeah. distributors will charge up front for like new artwork or the new trailer or like the new DVD authoring pressing. Yeah. So yeah. I have to we have to pay like independent filmmakers have to pay all of that off first for what the distributor charges before we even start seeing checks. And according to my distributor, I'm oh still like gosh. a thousand in the red off of what they charged <laughs> for their work. And once that gets paid off, then we'll start getting checks for Carousel 1. And obviously, we only made, like, maybe $4,000 selling Carousel 1 before we went to the distributor. And it was a $15,000 budget. So, eventually, decades from now, Carousel 1 may break even. But that's also why why Carousel 2 exists and was crowdfunded. So that Elena and I can finally make some money off this idea that people (laughs) love so much. (laughs) I just want to say congratulations to 60-year-old Steve for all the money you've made on Carousel 1. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to buy bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Can't um, wait. Can't so, wait. Uh, would you mind giving us a good rad synopsis of the sequel? 
yes, absolutely. So as I already said, the first movie is Duke hmm. asking, what am I? Yes. And in that movie, he thinks he's a killer. In the second movie, he finds out he's a father. Ooh. And he meets Robbie, his son, Spicy. which if you've seen the trailer, he looks very cute. <laughs> Does. He's adorable. He blinks. Yeah, he <laughs> blinks. His ears move. He has yeah. arms and leg motion. <gasps> because it's, we live in the future, it, so. It's an amazing yeah. puppet. Uh, Cody and Gabby yeah. did an amazing job. That puppet looks way more expensive than the rest of the movie's <laughs> budget should a lot. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but he meets Robbie, and in meeting Robbie, he kind of slows down. Mm. And his, he warms up a bit internally and realizes, wait, I don't. What what I am doesn't have to be a killer. I can also be a father. I can be different. I can just be a positive force in this kid's life. And a lot of the movie is honestly Duke and Robbie together bonding as father and son. That's and awesome. it's a very personal, personal story that's like really important to me. Hmm. Um, and at the exact same time, the Nazis who created Duke in 1944 have been using fucking Eldrick's dark magic oh. to stay immortal. <laughs> okay. And have what? found Duke on Chirper and see that he's going to go meet his son. So they're tracking them down to kidnap the son in order to capture Duke again and either force him to switch sides back to being a Nazi or they're going to kill Duke. So now Duke okay. is facing... Both of his pasts catching up to him at the same time. His son and the Nazis that found him. So, if you folks out there like the idea of a carousel unicorn murdering piece of shit Nazis, <laughs> maybe consider buying Carousel the second because fuck Nazis. Mm. They deserve it Too even more than To make bonding. a right. Absolutely. This, yeah, mm, this sounds really emotional yeah like there's a there's a beautiful montage like and that was even uh, like when we were shooting carousel one that was one of aline's ideas it was just like we should when we do the sequel because we already knew the sequel was going to be about duke and his son yeah like we knew that in 2016 oh, uh aline was almost just like i think the whole first half of the movie should just be like a family comedy <laughs> and like not a horror at all i love it and I we, we worked it. it so that like you get some horror in the beginning and then the family comedy and then horror again so it's not just straight oh, family perfect. comedy cool um but yeah, no, like you gotta it, have a balance. It, but it was really important to me because like I didn't grow up with a father figure, mm. so writing it was also really interesting because it was based on fathers that I knew from friends, uh, tropes that I think might be real, <laughs> and kind of like the father uh -huh. I wish I had growing up. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion in the film, and like a couple people I don't know how serious they're being, but a couple fans said that like some of those scenes actually did make them tear up because it's like, it's Duke being, it's very genuine. It's played completely straight. It's not like, ha ha ha, he's a dad. Yeah. He's like, no, this this is a unicorn that hmm. cares about his son and wants to do the best he can, especially making up for lost time. And Robbie, okay, so the, I explained this to Ali when we were writing the outline. Yeah. Carousel 1 is about a kid that you want to fucking die. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> Carousel 2 I want it to be about a kid that's so sweet and such a cinnamon roll that the moment anyone hurts him, they need to die. Perfect. Perfect. I and I definitely feel like we succeeded. So we're even more on Duke's side now. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Oh, I am so excited. Uh, I'm so ready If it was to a guilty this. pleasure for you rooting for Duke in the first one, it ain't going to be guilty in this <laughs> one. Let awesome. me tell you. Oh, fantastic. Oh, Just vindication, justification. I love feeling like a little less of a sociopath. I will mm, say that. Perfect. Mm. And uh, to Claire, I, I mean, I feel like this is a very simple question, but do you have the same voice actor from the first film? Absolutely. Awesome. Very important. I, I always said that to, like, Steve Rampici. I was just like, if, if like, Hollywood showed up and gave me, like, some fucking buyout amount to get Carousel, I would say yes, but only if the contract's still <laughs> hiring you as Duke. 
Because, like, awesome. him as Duke is like uh, Angus Scrim as the tall man. It's not the same. And non-negotiable, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Non-negotiable. That's awesome. Oh, I love that. No, I think the... Well, the, is... I was just going to say, the, the cynicism and, like, uh, self-awareness that were both there for him, it just felt, it yes. felt so weirdly natural for a plastic <laughs> we had, horse. We definitely know? had the most auditions for Duke okay. back in 2015. Okay. And, like, I, I already said, and, like, I want the... I want the inspiration to be old Snake from Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah. The cynical, Rad. close to dying yes. Snake. Awesome. And, like, a couple guys were, like, really good at being David Hayter. Right. Uh, but I didn't just want David Hayter. I would have hired David Hayter if I wanted that. So <laughs> Steven Peachy was the one that kind of found that, like, really in-between of, like, getting that sort of mindset and that style, mm. but still making it his own character. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, B. Barnaby, who voices Robbie, they are fucking phenomenal. I'm stoked. So fucking cute. Oh so my we gosh. first were doing oh like the, the cast reading. As soon as B started reading for Robbie, I was just watching them <laughs> on video. I was just like, <laughs> oh, I'm so stoked. <laughs> You're an adult, I'm so I don't so want to tell you how cute you are <laughs> and how much I want to hug you. But. Uh, but it's true. What's stopping you? Just mm. go ahead. Again, create that sense on set. Oh, absolutely. Oh, we're friends, so we love that. I've hugged them plenty. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Is there anything that, like, you are dying for someone to ask you about with Carousel or Carousel 2? Um, like, well, when I more... know that you've been doing a lot of interviews lately. Well, when... Carousel 2 gets watched by more people. I'm going to be curious about the amount of people that catch a couple of the jokes that are punchlines to setups from the first movie. <laughs> what? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Um, especially oh, the post-credit awesome. scene of Carousel 2. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, which, when I did my, like, I did, like, a super secret last-minute announcement in my Silver Spotlight Films Discord, being like, hey, in five minutes, we're gonna watch Carousel 2 for the first time ever. See ya! <laughs> and, like, ten people were like, oh, fuck! Oh, God! And they made it! And But during that screening, as soon as the movie was over, when that, when the payoff joke hit... One person especially was just losing their goddamn mind. Like, they couldn't <laughs> oh, read, they yes. couldn't type. They were just like, I can't believe you fucking went back to this fucking joke. Oh, I can't Lord. believe that this was the payoff <laughs> five years later in this goddamn movie for a, a singular line in the first movie. So I'm very excited about that. I'm riding the hype train. Um, and I'm so ready. I, I will uh, officially say, um, if you folks watched the post credit scene... Mm. Um, yeah. That is Otis Barkmeyer waiting for Joe to come home, who doesn't, and Joe lives alone. Hmm. Otis starves to death. No! Ah! No! No! I was the Why? only consistently good character. We didn't even Why? see him. Otis! Because I, I had this... I, I came up with the post credit scene on set. Because no. actually, cause oh actually at first the post credit scene was going to be like a joke that like referenced Captain Z. But I was like, nah, I don't want to like connect oh. it to Captain Z. That's uh, We already have the wine. That's enough. Yeah. So I'm like, we have this character that keeps on talking about his pet the whole movie and how he has nobody else. And then he fucking very dies. emotional monologue. I can't ah. not acknowledge that the pet is still waiting forever. Oh. For the owner who is now dead. I Think about that next time you see a slasher movie where someone <laughs> mentions like their cat or someone at home, and then Jason kills them. Now that cat's alone. What's gonna happen to? Oh man. <laughs> no. 
at, on the bright side, Otis's owner at least died the greatest death in human history. So he's got Thank that you. going for him. Duke did Thank choose goodness a poor we have weapon. That. <laughs> that kill was rough uh, because it's so what Cody uses is uh, his blood is mixed with detergent. Okay. Because that oh. makes it wash out really easily. Oh, but it's yeah. I, oh yeah, because okay, so it's just a mm. prosthetic on top of my eye yeah. and like the tube underneath. So, as no matter how tightly squeezed closed my eye was, it's oh, a no. pool of detergent <laughs> on top of my eye during that sequence. I, I could taste the detergent because it was oh. seeping in through my tear ducts. Oh, good night. And as soon and I was like, let's. I want to. This is gonna be one take, but I'm gonna go a really long time, so we have a lot to use. <laughs> we ended up just using almost all of it because <laughs> the it was pretty was, prolonged. Um, I'll do anything for a laugh. That's my personality. <laughs> I was always depressed growing up, so yeah. if I can make someone else smile, it makes my make existence worth laugh, it. Make um, laugh. but <laughs> it's why I do what I do. But as soon go. as we wrapped, I was like, take this fucking thing off. Like, like, like funny, <laughs> yeah. charismatic Steve was not there for about ten minutes after that scene. I had to fucking... I went up to the shower. I was like, just take this off. I'm going up to shower right now. Wait, you're gonna get blood on the carpet. I don't care! <laughs> I need to... Oh my gosh. And I washed as it off. As you had the right to do. Yeah. As and you I, had the right. But that, that was a rough one, mm. I'll be honest. But I, I suffer. I, I don't like to do anything that... I don't like to make anyone do anything that I wouldn't do myself. So if I'm in that sort of situation, I usually give myself, like, the worst kill. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, and, I, and that always seemed like it would be the worst kill, and I was right. Yeah. Speaking oh, just man. on death and finality, I, I want to I want to ask you, the director, because I feel like Duke has a pretty good monologue there towards the end uh, that kind of summarizes my question pretty well, but I want to hear your thoughts. What is the moral of Karis Hell? From the moral you, the director. of Karis Hell is be less selfish and be more compassionate to everything around you. Mm. You don't know who oh, or what man. may be having a really rough time, and you should really consider your actions before you face the consequences of them. I like but that. at the same time, the, the moral of the entire franchise when we get down to it is going to be you need to own up to your own decisions and choices, mm. uh, no matter what they are. And that's going to apply to more than just Duke and more than just one character. Speaking of, yeah, yeah, speaking of owning up for your your, uh, your actions and consequences, uh, like you were saying with the third one coming up, mm -hmm. I, I really genuinely love that idea. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Stop. I can't wait to, to me, it's, if, if, if I'm able to do the third one, like it is really important to me that each movie is a part of Duke's character arc. For sure. Sorry, I did not want oh, yeah. Carousel 2 to just be like, oh, now this person was rude to Duke, and now Duke kills them at this party. I didn't want to do that. That's boring <laughs> to me. So I wanted each movie to be the next actual step in Duke's characterization and his progress as, I almost said a, a human being, but that's not the case. Um, not anymore, <laughs> at least. <laughs> as a unicorn. Um, <laughs> um, as a unicorn. So that's why the first movie is like, who am I? Oh, I'm this. And the second movie is like, oh, I'm not only that. There's more to me than just that. And the third movie is going to be like, I made a lot of terrible mistakes, and now they're coming back for me. Mm. Mm. And what does that mean moving forward? I love um, I love Duke and his depth. I just feel yeah. like this is a truly <laughs> troubled man horse who is. I put learning. way too much thought unicorn, and effort sir. into my fucking unicorn. insane. I think you put exactly the correct <laughs> amount of effort and thought in. 
Everything was purposeful. Everything was mm. intentional. It really is. <laughs> Some random stranger on Twitter a few weeks back like finished watching my cat movies because I made four of them, yeah. and they were just like, "I just finished the last one, and holy shit, you're 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 the only talking animal franchise where everything matters. And it's actually a story. <laughs> shit from the first movie, the second movie, the third movie, all mattered in the fourth movie, and I wasn't expecting that in a talking cat kids movie. I'm like, Milo Notice doesn't have nothing. I like nothing. to tell stories. There we go. Nothing. I killed weightless animals Never. in my low notice. I guarantee. Oh, that. no! I I would hope so, considering the law. Um. <laughs> no, they were all my babies in those movies. I would never ever harm them. Perfect. They got lots of treats oh. and pets and love. There you go. Love that. Um, I think we are kind of coming to a close on our questions. Vale, do you have any other final questions for our dear Steve while we have yeah, him on the anything program? about the first movie, about the second movie, about the overall plans or the arc, anything. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Now, I just want to give you all the space. I want to give you all the space to rant about what led you to this point, what's leading you to the next point, mm -hmm. what was what was fun, what was unfun. Like, I just, I love all the little details that go into creating, because we never get to see that. Like, we never, right. when we present, when creatives present a work, it's such a shame Mm -hmm. that you don't get to see everything that happened behind. And as you said, like, this is, we're, we're coming into a decade, mm -hmm. right? We're, I mean, 2015. So that's a ton of time, a ton of buildup, a ton of experience that got shoved into one hour. So I would love to know more. Just I just want to give you the floor and let you go off. Honest to goodness. Uh I mean, okay, if you just want me to go off, I mean, like I alluded to, like, a uh, big reason why I do what I do is because I grew up very depressed. Mm. Um, up until this year, there was not a day in my life where I didn't want to die that day. It was not until March of 2021 when that finally shifted and stopped being the case. Uh, so making my movie so bright and funny and silly was always important to me because... You know, seeing Army of Darkness is what made me decide to make movies awesome. because Army of Darkness was so silly and made me so happy <laughs> when I was like 12 years old yeah. that I wanted to do the same for other people. If, if I could make... I just got a message as you were talking to me <laughs> from someone that got their copy of Carousel 2 already, watch it, and he said to me, like, I was having a really bad day, I was really suicidal today, but I watched Carousel 2, and, like, I can't stop smiling. I really needed that today, and I just want to tell you how much I appreciated that. And I teared up, and I tried to hold it back, because I'm trying to be a big boy. Right. Um, not in a toxic mask, <laughs> no, 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 right, in a right. professional way. That's what it's all about, um, man. No, in a treat kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, that's exactly why I do what I do. If I can make mm. someone smile and forget about the hellscape that is for just, like, an hour to an hour and a half, to me, that's really what makes it all worth it. Well, at the same time, I need to make money to eat. I'm <laughs> right, not going right. to do this as a charity. But yeah. food is also a plus. <laughs> but making people smile is definitely the direct core motivation of what I do. I love that. Um, and it's just trying to put that sort of like happiness out there as something to look forward to, as something to appreciate, as something to have fun with, is to me really important. And that's why I, you know, as a viewer most of the time i prefer fun movies as opposed to super serious movies obviously there's exceptions um for all all the listeners at home my favorite superhero movie is batman v superman i don't give a fuck what you think oh um, that's like that's a oh, choice my man uh, but that like that's a spicy. super dark movie which yeah. usually goes ag 
against, but at the same time, there's so much optimism, in my opinion, in that film when it comes to like Superman coming to terms like being selfless in spite of the darkness. Sure. To me, that's what still draws me into that film. So it's not necessarily, it's not as fun as, say, uh, Enter the Spider-Verse. Right, right. Which is one of my other yeah, favorite superhero so movies. No. <laughs> um, but it still has that sort of like, I'm not against downer endings, but not everything has to be a downer all the time. Absolutely. And it's nice to get those uppers. That's why Duke gets what he wants in the first movie. <laughs> you know, I love like, that so much. And, and, oh, I was a total fucking shit heel when I was writing that. I was just like, <laughs> you're going to think he gets away. <laughs> and the first time I watched that movie with an audience, it was at a convention called Cinema Wasteland. And it was fucking sit on the floor room only. There we go. House. There we go. Kid walks away, I'm hearing the groans and the boos, I'm like, yeah. They don't know. (laughs) As soon as he gets hit, it's the loudest pop I've ever heard. I've performed in arenas with thousands of people. I've never heard a cheer as loud as when Lunchbox dies. And that's exactly what I wanted. And I was so happy. I just want to reference the close captions here, and it says, uh, guts squelching at that scene. So, yes. you know, it's a Capture's good one. team did a good job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes Capture's teams oh, do really good, and sometimes they don't, and you miss it. Yeah. Uh, such as in Meowie Halloween, they call my hedgehog a porcupine the entire film, <laughs> and I forgot to fix it. So whenever you watch the captions of Meowie Halloween, it's just like, porcupine says. I'm like, okay, so you don't know what animals are, whoever wrote this. <laughs> um, Great. And so that's why I, I've been doing this for so long, and I make the genre that I make because I like to make people laugh mm. I like to make people have fun uh, that's where a lot of my acting inspiration comes from too is that huh. sort of like cartoonish over the top my biggest acting inspirations is like half Bruce Campbell mm. and half yeah. Jim Vardy Ernest there you go which you know if you watch any Ernest movie and then watch me act as Joe you'll <laughs> fucking see it like it's not I see it now I'm not even now. trying yeah. to not yeah. plagiarize yeah. it great <laughs> I, I feel like horror but it seeps in horror as a genre is such an ironic place to consistently land jokes, but I, I mean, maybe it's just the dichotomy of the scenes and the writing, but it just it lands, dude. It's just like you were no, saying. No, that's that's fun. my theory. I just I think that the people who do comedy are also the people who can do horror the best because it's all about controlling the tension in the mm-hmm. room. Like you have to know how to do that to it's make a joke land, and, and it's timing. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jordan Peele comes to mind. It's the same thing. Well, exactly. Yeah. Michael Key as well. So, I mean, yeah, of course you can be a horror director, writer, whatever, and not be a comedian at the same time. But it's just when when those two cross paths, it's just... They work hand in hand very well. Yes. (laughs) It's... Uh, That's that's one of my techniques whenever I write my films is just that comedy to me is like probably the most subjective genre sure. when it comes to entertainment. Yeah. Like, like, it's not in the case of, like, horror where, like, oh, I don't find something scary. Most people still understand that was meant to be scary. With comedy, it's subjective to the point where people can just <laughs> fucking not understand that something was a joke. Yeah. yeah. There are people that hate Carousel because they're just like, it's not scary at all. And they don't understand it's a comedy. It's like... I don't know how, but they exist. So whenever I write my stuff, my technique is like, let's put like as many fucking jokes as possible into this movie. Awesome. A, so that if you're getting it all, you're laughing so much that the next time you watch the movie, you're going to get a new joke and it's like a new fun experience. Or if not all of the jokes are hitting, if only 25% of the jokes are hitting, you're still laughing most of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm trying. Hey! Um, that's how I, I do Brilliant. a lot of my stuff. Awesome. What uh, uh, What was the biggest hurdle in uh, f- 
it preparing or filming this uh, the sequel? I mean, in, well, honestly, COVID. Yeah, I was uh, fucking well, terrified. Yeah, we, oh. when we were writing. When Alina and I were writing Carousel 2, it was in March of 2020, like, Ooh. right at the beginning. Yeah. And, oh, like, dang. that was before anyone knew how bad yeah. it was going to get, but I'm a pessimist. So sure. I was like, eh, I think it's going to get bad. I don't trust people. <laughs> um, so it, I actually kind of took the reins in order to make sure that we wrote it in a way so that it had, like, less characters. Sure. And as few people on set at the same time. Okay. And this was, like, pre-vaccine, oh, okay. pre-everything. And we just want to be safe. So then we get to, you know, fast forward to April 2021. We got lucky because that's when the vaccine was already starting to be rolled out. Mm -hmm. And almost everyone on set was already vaccinated. Perfect. Yeah. You know, between locals and people from out of state, nice. almost everyone's vaccinated. But we, I still was just like, okay, here's sanitizer everywhere. Um, everyone keep your fucking masks on unless you're <laughs> acting. Yeah. And we, concept. again, we kept as few number of people on set as possible. And the only day we had, like, the because a few extras paid to be in the movie to die in it. What? And I kind of, I made I mean, sure I would. that their scenes were outside because we didn't know them yeah, as well yeah. as, like, everyone else on set. So, like, if they're outside with their mask off, that's not dangerous. Were those, were those stretch yeah. goals or? Or did it just work? Yes. Oh my. Oh, it, oh no, well, no, it was rocks. like we had, I had four spots for like $500 uh-huh. paid to be in the movie. You get the DVD, you get a script book, and then you get killed That's in the movie. So and great. they sold out in 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I made one more for $1,000, and that also instantaneously sold out. I'm like, well, I, I can't add more fucking I, characters at I this am point. I'm not even halfway surprised. That rocks. Um, That's amazing. So, but. I don't know how much of it was the vaccine, how much of it was our actions, but definitely two weeks after Carousel 2, I checked in with everyone, and no one got COVID. Everyone was safe, and I was really, really happy about hey. that. Yeah, love that. Because I didn't want yeah. to put anyone at risk for a fucking stupid horror comedy movie. <laughs> um, well, you, you... Or them put other people at risk. So I'm, I'm really happy that that went well. The other uh, hurdle, I would say, hmm. is that... This is the. This is not my first sequel. Like the Survivors is a sequel to Everyone Must Die okay. and Slasher Hunter. Uh, you know, I made four goddamn cat movies, so three of those are sequels. <laughs> but this was my first time making a sequel to like a really beloved movie. Yeah. This was my first time making uh-huh. a sequel that was actually anticipated. Like people have been waiting for this, asking for this for years. Oh yeah. And I want to tell this personal father-son story. Hmm. And so, like, I, I stuck by my decision. Like, even going into it, I'm just like, I'm sticking to my creative vision. This is what Elaine and I both think is the right story to tell. We thought that years ago. We still think that today. And this is the story we're telling. But obviously, the entire time I'm doing this, just like, oh, man, I hope people like this because this is really fucking different. Uh, <laughs> woo! Um, I feel like so that's sh- one of the reasons why it resonated with me so strongly. Just the, the first one in particular. One of my favorite, I don't even know if you can ha- call it a horror film, but just a film that I relate Carousel to in my mind. It's a movie called Rubber about a yes, killer tire. tire. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And I was yeah. getting, like, yeah. it didn't feel referential, but I was getting those vibes in the in the brand of weirdness that was presented. And it just yeah. it felt so good. It, it, it yeah, was awesome. Definitely not, like, direct referencing, no, yeah, one, but, yeah. like, we, we definitely wrote the movie as both of us fans sure. of killer objects. Sure. Like, a, like, one of Aline's favorite movies is Jack Frost. Yeah. Not the Michael Keaton one, the other one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, 97. Um, we're yeah. talking about her favorite later. scene is the sex scene in Jack Frost, which is why she actually pushed for the sex scene <laughs> in Carousel. Oh, okay, awesome. Um, oh, Amazing. I never got back to your point earlier, Connor, when you were talking about where is it. Um, <laughs> I actually originally pitched the idea of getting a bad dragon horse cock, um, but oh. Aline vetoed that. 
And she's right. Oh, she was right. God, it's way fair. funnier if there's just nothing there. It would have been too much if there's a giant floppy dick. Yeah. Um, under Duke. Um, but Listen, it, was it was thought about. Uh, no, yeah, I'm. I'm glad we at least ruminated on that thought for a minute. That's <laughs> that's too good. <laughs> My gosh. My uh. gosh. All right. Well, well, hey, it's been an absolute treasure absolute having you on treasure, our weird yes. little podcast. Well, thank <laughs> you very kind of you so for taking out for having me. It's been a, it's been really wonderful talking to you know both of you. This has been fun. It's it, it always makes me feel good about what I do whenever I meet people that are like really passionate. It really gets like my weirdness and insanity. Heck yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and to be able to have like this was a really great conversation. I definitely do some shows where the questions aren't prepared sure. or thought about. Sure. And since you're both creatives, this was really fun. Love it. Yeah. Well, no, no, good. you, you okay. are our first uh, kind of interviewee who's been on the film side of things. So it's just a, it's again great to have you. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, one more time for our audience out there. Where can we find Carousel Two, the second Carousel the second? Absolutely, it's fine. Carousel the second is the official name, but okay. I don't care if people call it Carousel. Okay. Right, right, right. Here's the story behind that, real quick. Um, so in writing it, yes. my my idea was it was going to be a Roman numeral two, uh, but the inside joke is that it's Carousel the second, like it was like the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it. <laughs> oh. But then I was like, well, people won't get that. What if I call it Carousel Junior? But then <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, that one's no. Good. Then then I'm worried people will think it's marketed to kids. Ah, and I don't which that. it is very Ooh. not. Uh, so then I just not. straight up did. Okay, it's called Carousel the Second with the number two. So I still get my inside joke. Yeah. But you can still call it Carousel <laughs> right. Two, and it doesn't matter. Okay. Right. Carousel okay. the Second. So if you want to check out my stuff, if you want to support me, number one is SilverSpotlightFilms.com. Again. And this goes for all independent creators and artists. Buying physical media is the best way to support artists and creators you care about. It is how we get the most Great. money. It also makes us feel the best because we know you owning it forever means you're treasuring it and it's not disposable. You're really appreciating it. And then you get it forever. And they look nice. They look nice on your Yay. shelf. True. Uh, and again, a bunch of stuff on there. All my other movies on there are posters, the game. I have a I have a vinyl soundtrack for my 10-year anniversary of all the vocal themes from my movies and like the composer's favorite nice. scores on the other awesome. side. Awesome. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff on there. If you don't want to drop, you know, 200 fucking dollars buying 12 <laughs> goddamn movies, I understand. <laughs> Things have been a little weird this past year. I don't know if you've noticed. True that. True that. So... Uh, second place is stevebuster.com like ah. I said it is basically my digital subscription service it's like if you do a three month plan it's two ninety nine a month and I do mean it is my entire library it's like every bonus feature from the physical releases except for the commentaries just because I, I don't know the best way to like upload sure. just a commentary yeah. um, sure. there's a, there, all my movies are on there there's like uh, a couple other people put movies on there that like I helped work with I filmed exclusives for Steve Buster. I've done nice. exclusive re-releases of movies I made as a child that I don't sell anymore on there. <laughs> where I also have gotten oh drunk gosh. and watched those movies and just shit on them <laughs> yes. the whole time. Um, so I think it's a really fun service. Even if you want to buy Carousel 2, it may not be a bad idea to sub to Steve Buster just to see fucking everything else, honestly. Mm -hmm. Third place to support oh, me, honestly. Yeah. It's not, again, I just went over how little streaming pays, but obviously almost all of my stuff is on Tubi or Prime Video. It is absolutely a legitimate way to support me to check out my stuff legally. Hmm. I really, it's just, it's so hard for independent creators to make anything and move forward at all, especially with how disposable media has become with streaming. You know, everyone wants yeah. to watch it on streaming once and forget about it, and like I said, I get a penny. It's so hard to keep going. <laughs> That's why Carousel yeah. 2, it's so important. Like, I'm, I'm especially, more so than any other film that I've made, I'm really trying to get people to understand that if they do want to see Carousel 3, 
or if they saw Carousel 1, you know, on Tubi and they liked it and they want to see Carousel 2, it is really important to buy or at least sub to Steve Buster for Carousel 2 because it is so important for this one to financially be a success. You know, it'll be great if people like yeah. it and that matters to me, but, like, if it makes $1,000, that's great. That is arguably profit, but that won't be enough to really justify moving forward as a creator. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm contracted to do a movie next year with uh, another producer. I'm obviously going to do that, but... I want to make Carousel 3. Aline wants to make Carousel 3. We have great ideas for Carousel 3. We bought this for Carousel 3. Not going to say anything else I about that. I was going to ask. I've been seeing that this uh, whole time. Not going <laughs> to say is, anything guys, else. Guys, there um, is the a horse-shaped something. Not with that. Mm. We already shot scenes not with for Carousel that. 3 on set for Carousel 2. <gasps> yeah. But <laughs> oh. that doesn't guarantee 3 exists. Sure. So, like, if you're fans of Carousel support it and also you know tell other people about it the more word of mouth we can get is the only way we're going to grow or advance and reach new eyes because marketing is yeah. everyone has ad blockers no one likes to see ad that's useless now it's oh. just people telling other people this stuff is weird check it out and that really is going to help us a lot so please consider that uh, i am on twitter I don't know what my handle is because I barely log into Twitter sometimes. <laughs> Just search Steve Radzinski, you'll find me. Um, and if you want to see my Instagram, it is at Dark Mullet. If you want to see me wear spandex or like be just a whore, Which one that's the oh, place yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I was wondering that actually. So those are, those I, are I had a hankering. Oh, I mean, I can't blame you. Obviously, <laughs> if you see me in the Spider-Man yeah, stuff, I mean, yeah. or or have you seen those pizza carrying arms? Come on, get out of here. Oh yeah, uh, I know, I know. Listen, <laughs> again, Steve. Well, thank hey, you here's so much. Here's the thing. Before we leave, though, I really need to throw a shout out. I keep mentioning them, um, but M, I think, was a super MVP in all of this because it was M who girl bossed real close to the sun mm. and reached out to Steve for us. Yes. Um, I'm, and I'm it was possibly. Yeah, yeah, it's possibly one of the best texts I've ever received in my life of just, hey, uh, I don't want you to be mad or anything, but um, this indie horror director says that he's happy to come on your podcast. And I was like, what? What? And then I saw Kara's Hell and was like, oh, this is the best day ever. I I'm glad that I randomly searched the word Kara's Hell on Twitter from time to time. There we go, man. 99% of the time it has led to very positive um, results. That's awesome. Not even surprised. Wonderful. 1% is a very crazy person that I don't understand <laughs> what happened. They were begging me to answer them, consistently tagging the carousel hmm. page and me, constantly saying, like, oh, please, if the carousel page or the creator recognizes me, I'll get a carousel tattoo. And I just said, oh, hey, that sounds awesome. Immediately blocked me and was just, like, tweeting about some random man messaging them. And I was just like, I don't know what the fuck you wanted, but you explicitly <laughs> asked me to say hello to you, and I did. Incredibly strange. Uh, Incredibly strange. I think they okay, were, like, folks, 14. Like, like I think they were a kid. So, like, sure. I don't want to judge too harshly, but I will always tell oh, the story, because okay. it's just like, yeah. what the fuck? The 1% percent did not expect line. this. <laughs> There's some wackos out there, y'all. How dare I say thank you? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, audience... Please support independent creators and artists. Uh, this is how we get Please. good things like Karis Hell uh, and Karis Hell Two, which Great I haven't seen. Great things, but I I got a gut feeling. <laughs> oh, I think so I'm far the review has been now. very positive. My awesome. my favorite review is from Horror Society, where he said this was not the sequel I was expecting, but holy fuck, did I enjoy it! I'm like, hey. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> and I will say, just in this conversation, Brilliant. I feel like I'm going to have a, a similar experience. Um, so I hope awesome. so. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Again, thank you to M for organizing this. Thank you so much to Steve for coming on. 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, support creators, and please stay spooky. Yeah, and also don't be a dick kid. And also don't be like, a dick kid. Keep don't. your boogers and your earwaxes in your nose and ears, respectively. Gosh! Damn! The Good, the Rad, and the Spooky is a passion project by Connor Wood and Vale McComb. Now recently produced by M. Knowlton. You can find us on the Twitter at Good Rad Spooky Podcast. And you can also find us on Instagram at Good Rad Spooky Podcast. A very special thanks to Ned Wilcock for the logo.